when kids feel good about themselves, they reflect that in every area of their life. There's this idea, if I'm not really, really hard on my kids, how are they ever going to be successful? I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting, to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Marcella. I'm so excited to be back this week. And I am really, really excited about the interview that we have today. Yes. For a long time, I've been wanting to talk directly to Jess Martini. And finally, my dream came true today. (laughs) Hi, Jess. Hi, how are you? Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited. So Jess Martini, she was raised under gentle parenting. So if you've been wondering, I wonder how my kid is going to turn out, or I'm not sure about how prepared they're going to be to face the real cruel world today. Jess Martini is going to answer all your questions because she's already a successful adult with a beautiful family and she was raised under gentle parenting and now she's doing it again with her children. So that's going to be the topic for today. But before we go there, Rachel has something to tell you. Yes. Okay. So this Friday, I'm repeating my free masterclass, the three C's to make gentle parenting work without being permissive. A lot of times parents are worried that if you do gentle parenting, that you become permissive and that your children walk all over you. And so I'm going to show you three secrets to making gentle parenting work without that being the truth for you. So I hope that you will sign up for that. To sign up, just open the description of this podcast episode and you're going to see the registration link there. Or you can go to the link in our bios at Rachelyn Rogers or Heimpet Club. If you are a member of Heimpet Club, meaning if you have any of our products, then I encourage you to go to our HIC Cycle Breaker Facebook community. If you have not joined, request to join and you're going to see the link to register for Rachel's masterclass there as well. Okay, Jess, the burning question is, how did you turn out? How did you turn out as as someone who was raised with gentle parenting? Tell us how you turned out. It's hard to like talk about yourself, but I think the big fear that people have is that Kids who are gentle parented will turn out unprepared or they'll turn out in a way where the real world kind of shocks them. From my experience, that couldn't be farther from the truth. I understand how to set and uphold my own boundaries and what my own boundaries are, the expectations that I should have for how people should be treating me. And it honestly helps prepare you to navigate those relationships. I think the other thing is that a lot of what I see is that when people were raised with like punishments constantly around rewards, they value themselves based on their successes or based on their accomplishments or achievements instead of something more intrinsic and of who they are as a person. That is probably one of the things that might stand out the most is that there's always been a big value on who I have been as a person and that's carried into adulthood and helps with a lot of the things like a lot of adults suffer from like the anxiety. And I think that's been one of the things that I've noticed. Oh, that's such a good point too 
too, because, you know, for so long, the standard for good parenting has been how well-behaved your child is, whether or not they get good grades, whether or not they choose successful career paths. And I actually saw, I think it was a comment on a video that I had done on TikTok the other day where a girl was saying that when she chose to put down her career as a doctor to become a stay-at-home mom, her own mother freaked out because she said, I realize now in listening to this video that on some level, my mom felt like a good mom because I was a doctor. So now if she has to tell people I'm a stay-at-home mom, somehow that devalues her. Oh, that needs to change. You know, the standard for good parenting just doesn't need to be on the things that it's been for so long. It's actually funny that you mentioned that exact story because not even too long ago, I was like with my mom, we were in like a group setting. There was like a lot of people and somebody who had known me for my entire life was like, oh my gosh, you could have been a lawyer or you could have been this or you could have been. And I think they use the phrase like, it's such a shame you could have been a lawyer. And my mom immediately jumped in and she's like, what's a shame? She's an amazing mom. And like immediately was like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, your path that you chose. And we even talked about that with my sister recently because we were kind of joking about it. Like I'm a stay at home mom. And she was like, but I, I think that's good. You get to choose the things that you love to do without the pressure of needing to feel like you had to do something. That was always so big for her is that she didn't care what we did, what career path we chose. She wanted us to feel fulfilled. She wanted us to choose something that we loved. And she wanted us to be kind people who treated others respectfully. And she's always so proud of us. I've said this a million times. She just gave pride away freely all the time. <laughs> like who you are as a person. I'm very proud of it. You know something? One day I got a comment on my TikTok. Somebody, I imagine she's an older generation person because she said, my kids were spanked. My kids were not under this gentle parenting thing. And they're the most successful people. One is a doctor. She was listing their accomplishments. And now that you say that, yes, about people telling you like, it is a shame that you were not a lawyer, for example. I am a lawyer and I wasn't happy. And I wasn't a happy person until I started healing my past. Being a lawyer didn't make me happy. Matter of fact, it wasn't what I loved the most. I went through it just because I thought that was going to prove myself to my parents because all my life I was trying to prove myself, prove myself, prove myself because their expectations of me were higher than what I could even give to them. So the fact that you see high achievers in the world, <laughs> that's not necessarily correlated to number one, how happy they are. Number two, how self-fulfilled they are. I think also there's this misconception because people think, oh, well, if she gave her pride away freely, what motivates you? Because a lot of people are motivated by trying to gain that value, gain pride from somewhere else. But you develop intrinsic motivation when you're trying to get to your own goals and your own accomplishments that you've decided for yourself. It helps you to develop that intrinsic motivation. And the other thing is, is that when we're not putting our kids down based on our own expectations for them, or like you could be doing better, or you could be doing more. If other kids are getting A's, why aren't you getting A's? But when kids feel good about themselves, they reflect that in every area of their life. And so there's this idea, if I'm not really, really hard on my kids, how are they ever going to be successful? How are they ever going to develop motivation? And it turns out that happens intrinsically. And it happens when people feel good. I 
I'd like to know as you transitioned into school and later into jobs, that seems to be the burning question for a lot of parents. They want to try gentle parenting and it makes sense for their younger children, but I think they are afraid that connecting with a child is coddling a child. And therefore when they get into schools and jobs and a teacher doesn't connect before she corrects or an employer doesn't, you know, they're very like, these are the rules. You don't follow them. They're more authoritarian. How was that for you moving into school systems and jobs? In my life, everybody asks like, you know, what happens if an adult was, you know, uh, treated you poorly. And in my life, I can only ever remember an adult treating me bad. It was a coach and I was older. And my dad actually was the one who had kind of walked me through how to have a conversation with them about some of the things that were just blatantly disrespectful or, you know, and my my dad walked me through how to have my own conversation with the coach about that. In my adult life, I was only part of one work environment that was toxic and I left it because I wasn't going to change it. I know that I have a lot to bring to the table. I can bring it to somebody else's. I wasn't part of that for very long that like toxic work environment and I think that sometimes people feel that they deserve to be treated a certain way or they're being treated this way because somebody really cares about them and I think most people then come to find out years down the road from that employer or any employer any work establishment they were kind of just like a peg a cog in the wheel and they didn't need to be treated that way for all those years that they kind of stuck it out for thinking that they deserved it or they couldn't have moved somewhere else and gotten a totally different experience. And my mom actually was a working mom and she's a very successful business person. It leads in the same way that she parents. And it's funny because a couple people who had worked for her in the past had found my TikTok and found my TikToks about her. And I've had several comments from people who have worked with her or under her who have left comments saying things like Maggie was actually one of the most influential people in my life or Maggie actually changed my entire trajectory, my entire path, because she actually mentors and nurtures and treats people with respect. So when the pandemic hit and people didn't have childcare, she had kids in the office and it's a corporate office and it's a huge company. And she had kids in her office making box forts. And you know, like you can tell when somebody legitimately cares in the real world, there are people that are connecting before they're correcting and they are caring about the people under them. You can identify that when that's how you've been treated your entire life. What I find interesting about that is that you were given the confidence to not take disrespect from other people. You were taught that respect was a mutual thing, not something that was just demanded and obeyed. That's called compliance. That's not the true definition of respect. When we respect someone, it starts internally and it comes out through our actions. When we're compliant with someone, we don't like them on the inside, or we have really icky feelings on the inside, but we're not going to show that on the outside. We're just going to like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You know, Yeah. yeah, stay in line. And so what's interesting about the coach, for example, you handled that situation maturely and you were able to say, you know, walk through everything that your dad told you to and have a conversation with an adult and say, you know, these are some things that I don't feel like are healthy for you to be treating me this way. And you had the confidence to do that. Whereas people who were raised in an authoritarian household don't often have the confidence to stand up against authority figures because they were punished, you know, and sometimes even abused for that. And then you get into the workforce 
workforce and you see, oh, this is a toxic environment. I don't have to stay here because my value is in here. My value doesn't come from whether or not I gain the approval or the respect of other people. That's very, very interesting and encouraging. Confidence and trust as well, because raising children in foster care who were hurt by their caregivers, the ones who are supposed to care, protect them and guide them. Then I see with them that when they don't have the trust with me in the beginning of their life in my house, when things happen like that and they get rude interactions with other people at school, with peers, they don't feel the trust and for me to help them and coach them. And that's what many parents who are doing traditional parenting are missing out on. They want to help their kids. If you ask them, like, if your child is living this coach situation that you were living, would you help them? Yeah, absolutely. But will the child feel the trust to come to you to ask you for advice? Maybe not. For your interactions with them, then they may not have that trust to come to you. So the fact that you were able to have that trust that shows a lot about the kind of relationship and secure attachment that you have with your parents. And it lets me know and it reassures me as well that when I provide this parenting style to my children, that actually is um, insurance. It's a protection for them. We want to protect them from the known and the unknown. And if we don't know it, they will come and tell us what happened to them. And that's a big difference. And I think that is something with my teen years too, that I get asked a lot about is like a lot of people want to know what did your parents do about lying when you were a teen or things like that. And I really truthfully didn't lie very often, if at all, to my parents, especially not to my mom. And I told her everything like willingly before even being asked, like to the point where, and I've said this in a video before where she was like, Jet, you can keep some things to yourself. Like you don't have to tell me every thought and feeling. <laughs> like I told her and can confided in her everything. And she never overreacted. She wasn't judgmental about anything. A lot of times she would share her own experiences. And in my family, this has been generational. This has been going on for generations and generations. Even my great aunt, so my grandmother's sister, my great aunt was telling me this story about how she had tried something that a lot of teenagers do and she hadn't for a very long time. Her friends had all been doing it for a long time, but she really had no interest. And then one time she just decided, oh, I'll give it a try. The first person she told was her own dad. He was like, okay, why are you going to do it again? Did you like it? And are you going to do it again? And she said, not really. And not really. And she really didn't. And she didn't need to. And if she had, she probably would have told him again. And they would have had a different and bigger conversation. But she was able to have that conversation. And she wasn't scared of it. And uh, she was allowed to make mistakes, which she had in the past. And she wasn't scared to be open and honest about them. I'm curious, were your parents raised with this parenting style? Um, My dad, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't like go into every, you know, it's not my story to tell, but uh, my dad definitely wasn't. And he was somebody who really had to learn gentle parenting along the way. And the reason I talk about my mom more is because when I was younger, she really did take the lead in a lot of the very difficult situations because just quite frankly, my dad wasn't equipped to handle them in a way that my mom knew that she wanted to and how she wanted. He was a very big part of my life. He coached all my soccer teams. The big thing was 
with my dad was, is that he never stopped showing up. He never stopped. And if he made mistakes, if he lost his temper, it was always an apology. It was always, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have talked to you like that. And it, it's because of me. When I left for college, he called me every single day just to chat. To this day, he calls me every single morning, 8 a.m., 8.30, to chat, to check in with the kids before they go to school. He just never stopped showing up, which counts for a lot, you know, when you're learning. But my mom was raised with gentle parenting. I think that can be so encouraging to parents because we have a lot, all three of us have a lot of followers and listeners to the podcast as well, who are the gentle parent in a relationship where somebody else is either learning or has zero interest whatsoever. And they often ask, is this going to work with just one parent doing this? And the fact that you're sitting here as someone who was raised mostly by one parent who was gentle and you feel like you didn't have to lie as a teen. And then you had the confidence to stand up against disrespect in jobs. And you have told me privately, and I'd kind of like to talk about this a little bit more and let the listeners hear you say this, but you have told me privately that you don't really lose your cool. Like your kids' behaviors don't really ruffle your feathers all that much. You don't really get worked up. And I want to know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm the complete opposite and it blows my mind that behavior sometimes wouldn't ruffle your feathers, but it makes sense too, because what was modeled to you becomes like this subconscious belief system in your mind about what is the appropriate response to certain behaviors. You also mentioned off air that your husband was not raised with gentle parenting. And you noticed in the beginning of your marriage with your children that he would kind of like get worked up when your children started to cry and you were like, well, okay, now I'm going to <laughs> calm down the adult and the children. So tell us what that's like. So that was actually a big learning curve for us too, because the kids would get worked up and then he would get worked up. And then I was like upset with him for getting worked up with, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like you're supposed to be calm when they're worked up because then that's how we calm the situation. Right. But you know, a lot of people, that's not how it worked. And then the adults would escalate it to the points where the kids would shut down. And then that was considered like, oh, we solved it. We solved the situation, but it was so far from what I knew. The kids would get worked up, then he would get worked up. And I'm like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, And the other thing too about my dad, I do want to say this because he was actually very involved my whole life. The reason that I talk about my mom more is because she handled the difficult situations more. And the things that you bring from your childhood, it really does very much affect you for your entire life in ways that you don't even really understand like to this day loud noises are very upsetting for my dad people talking too loud he was raised in a house with just a ton like yelling that he said he always knew when his parents were wrong because he could hear them yelling at each other all the way down the street him and his sister didn't even see each other for like three years because they would just walk in and go right to their rooms you know so like to this day loud noises it's very upsetting for him like there's a very um you know fight or flight reaction that happens and it happens for a lot of people and I think that then they feel, okay, this is bad. What my child is doing is bad because it's making me feel bad. 
And it's not bad behavior. And if you don't have that fight or flight reaction to a child crying or throwing a tantrum, it automatically becomes easier to deal with it. It automatically, when it doesn't give you that, that like, oh, I got to stop it right away feeling. And I think that's another thing that helped my husband to get on board too, because I also feel that when you are, the thing that they say about permissive parents is that they give into the child very quickly, or they, they're giving into the child all the time. But a lot of times with authoritarian parents, because their child's behavior is making them feel so bad, there is a bigger chance that they're going to give into the child, right? If the behavior goes on too long, or if they can't immediately stop it, it'll turn into this, all right, all right, kind of thing. Like just, you know, just stop because it's making them feel so bad. And he noticed that I was able to uphold boundaries a lot easier, even though it looked different than what he was used to seeing as like discipline. I was able to uphold and maintain boundaries without getting upset or raising my voice. And then it's like, okay, well, the situation got handled, except there wasn't tears at the end. I think with people who are raised in that sort of parenting, it was almost like, tears was the goal. Tears was like, oh, this is a successful parenting moment. You've learned your lesson because you've been punished. And I can tell you've learned your lesson because you're crying. And it's so opposite than how I was raised, where it was like, if tears happened, we're going to talk about it because there's a better way to have handled this Mm -hmm. situation. That's not the goal. The goal is to teach and to guide Mm -hmm. and to love. It's not to hurt. And we've intertwined that so much in parenting fear with the love and it becomes impossible for adults to maintain healthy relationships when love and violence and fear have been intertwined for them for their entire childhood with their most loving relationship you know with their parents I was just having a conversation with my mom the other day about how the difference between when she would spank me versus when my dad would spank me and I could tell that she always hated to spank us. She would, and she would often, but she did not like it with my dad. It was as though it gave him some type of control and power and relief. Yeah. Would be a really great word. Is that what you said, Marcella? It's relief. I am crying right now because you said something that I lived that you said that people think that when children are crying, they're learning their lesson. I remember my dad spanking me and he would not stop until he saw a tear running down my face. I get emotional talking about these things and I get emotional hearing these things. And even when I'm so many people live things that I didn't actually know about, I kind of accidentally fell into talking about this because I really thought that my experience was the norm or norm-ish, you know, and I started talking about it. I made one video and the comments and the messages that just flooded. And then I realized, wow, so many people don't know that you can raise kids productive, healthy, successful kids who are thriving without hurting them emotionally, physically. And of course, nobody's perfect, right? There will be tough moments or moments where we, you know, have a learning curve, but it just dawned on me. And a lot of parents wanted to be doing the best for their kids and hated the fact that they thought that this is what it required to do the best for your kids. That in order to do the best for your kids, you have 
to hurt them in some way and that there wasn't another option. That's how I kind of accidentally fell into talking about this. I'm so glad that you did because not only does Guys, it- you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's intense, you know, going through the memories of what I internalized as a child when my dad would spank me. I never felt this way from my mom. And I think that it came because I knew that my mom didn't get any enjoyment. And I, if I'm being a hundred percent honest, I feel like my dad at certain times absolutely enjoyed spanking me and punishing me. And he might have a hard time admitting that now, like actually looking back there, a lot of it, he doesn't even remember. He blacked out and that breaks my heart because I remember it very vividly. My inner child felt so hated and so devalued. And it just, it breaks my heart because I know that there are children. And I mean, that's coming from a father who wasn't intentionally abusive. Like I know I'm, I'm saying that it seemed as though he got enjoyment out of it. It wasn't enjoyment because he was hurting me. I think it was relief. Like Marcella said, it was a relief and a release for him to get, it was a way for him to vent his anger at a lot of other things. And he took it out on my 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 4, 5, whatever your old body. So the fact that you are speaking up and saying, this isn't normal. First of all, like not only can you grow up and have a really great relationship with your parents during the preteen and teen years, you can carry that into adulthood. You can become a parent yourself and have less trauma to sort through as you're parenting. You know, I feel like as a lot of us are parenting, we're reparenting ourselves in the process of parenting our own children. And I want to save my daughter from having to do that. I want to do the work so that she has to do none or at the very minimum less work than, you know, I have had to do. I mean, there's no shot that we're going to do every single thing right. And our kids aren't going to go to adulthood and be like, man, you shouldn't, there's not one thing I would do differently. Like, There's like a 0% chance of that happening, but there is a chance that they go into adulthood and they say the way that I was made to feel, that is how I want my kids to feel. And there's, I don't know a single person who was raised feeling the way that I felt that thought to themselves, I don't want to replicate, like thought to themselves, I'm not going to replicate this with my kid because why wouldn't you? And especially when somebody's already handed you a blueprint on how to do it, why wouldn't you? And the other big misconception is that these gentle parented kids, they're the ones that are acting out in school and making life so difficult in school. <laughs> it's funny because the kids that are in my family who are gentle parented, they I can't even count how many like citizenship awards there's been like from this, you know, from schools and um, you know, my kids teacher, like I wish I had 20 of them in my class or I pull up to school and the assistant principal stops me to tell me like, hey, I was in your son's classroom today and I just want to let you know like what a kind like friend he is. And you really do start to see it. It's kind of just something that people have made up that if kids are acting out, it must be because they're being parented gently. It's just kind of something that's been made up. It's hard. People are scared of change and people are scared of something new and something different. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's always one of those things. Well, how do you know? Yeah. There's nobody to look at, but there are. There are yeah. lots of adults out there that were raised this way that are doing just fine. Mm-hmm. What I see is that a lot of the parents that are trying gentle parenting are actually permissive parenting because they don't have the element of accountability. They 
They don't know what setting boundaries looks like if it's not harsh. So they're trying to be gentle and connecting with their children, but they're not, they don't have the element of, okay, well, how do I enforce consequences and boundaries and limits without control manipulation using fear-based tactics? Because that's how I was taught. I don't know how to do that differently. And that is one of the reasons that I created the free masterclass that is coming up this Friday was so that parents can learn what it takes to make gentle parenting or better defined as parenting with understanding work without slipping into that permissiveness or becoming punitive. If you're going back and forth and you're like, okay, well, I either have to punish them or give in. No, (laughs) you really, there is middle ground and we have to find that. And so, and I think too, something to be said for that. And I'm so glad that you're like doing that. This is your masterclass that is coming up because there is something to be said for people becoming permissive to preserve their relationship with their child. They didn't have a relationship because of the constant punishment. And so they feel like they are failing in a way, but they're not. It's just figuring out this balancing act and it's a learning curve and it's coming from a good place. And it's coming from this place of wanting to connect and wanting to preserve this relationship that they care very much about. A lot of parents are feeling guilty for that and not giving themselves enough credit for the fact that they, it's all moving towards, it's all steps in this positive direction. They forget that even if it, even if they're having a struggle here or now they've fallen into the it's still making positive steps forward when you're working on this balancing act that every parent goes through this trial and error. Thank you, Jess, for coming here and giving us hope. For a lot of us, this is hope. This is, we are on the right path. We're doing the right thing. We should focus where we're going to instead of what we're going through. Maybe right (laughs) now, listener, you may be going through a tantrum or through bedtime stalling, whatever thing you're going through, focus on what you're going to. And where are your going your children are going to become confident great people who know how to stand up for themselves and care for others the same way that you're caring for them that's the goal and that's the future thank you Jess for being here Rachel what is your main takeaway from this interview I think my main takeaway is that I just this just solidifies my confidence even more in the path that I've chosen and that I can still have a wonderful relationship with my daughter when she is a tween and a teen and an adult and I don't have to fear those years that's it for me what about you Marcella I might take away that one and meet Jess (laughs) (laughs) I know I would love that I feel like we I feel like we could have chatted for hours I really do thank you guys so much for having me this was such a pleasure I'm so happy to finally chat with you Marcella and you know Rachel yeah this was great thank you so much for having me and thank you for the work that you do and the information that you give to parents because it's super valuable and it comes from such a loving place of support. Cycle Breakers, don't forget to go to our private Facebook group. If you are a member of High Impact Club, meaning if you have any of our products, you can go to Facebook and type HIC Cycle Breaker Facebook group and request to join. Over there, we have a great community, all of us Cycle Breakers, High Impact Club members. And let us know what is your main take away don't forget to leave a review of our podcast of this episode and if you want to sign up for rachel's masterclass open the description and sign up it's going to be on may 20th at 7 p.m eastern time remember it only takes understanding to break your cycle 